The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Today's one of those weeks where it all goes together. In fact, it's kind of amazing. Um, God is a character in the parable that Jesus explains or teaches to this young man. And what's funny is... You know, like how we've been doing for the last year, we've been saying back to God what he says to us, whether it be in the liturgy, it's all scripture, whether it be in our songs of praise, it's all scripture, whether it be our prayers, they're all based in scripture because God has taught us how he would like for us to talk and specifically to talk back to him. And it's to use the words that he gave us because they are formed by him they're spoken by him and they have power power to forgive power to bind power to raise from the dead power to create from nothing and so what's very interesting is god in this parable actually corrects the the uh the wealthy man who wants to store up his treasures on this earth to give him spiritual security For what does he say? He says, I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. You have enough money in your bank account. Just coast, coast for a while. Well, we, I don't know. a, A wise man once said to me, he was talking about retirement. And he said, he said, Dan, You tell yourself you want to retire when you're, was it, 65? You want to go to a beach and you want to drink margaritas. But then you go and you do that. You drink margaritas on the beach. You go to bed and you wake up 
and a whole day is ahead of you, and you say, well, I have my goal. I'm going to go drink margaritas on the beach. And you start out and you grow tiresome of drinking margaritas on the beach by day two, day three, day four at most. And so maybe at that point you realize that you did not build up treasures in heaven. You didn't have the right goal under pastoral leadership or as head of your household. And so you repent and you turn back to God's word and you ask God what is needful. What is the one thing needful? And God says to you, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Isn't that so cool that there is this dialogue between the Old Testament reading that Charlie read and uh, the, the, you know, God is engaging in this conversation right here through Jesus's words as teaching. This man says, I am going to relax. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. King Solomon says, There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. And I think that's the missing link. The man who built up these barns wanted to eat, drink, and be merry with the end end goal in mind to relax, to relieve himself of responsibility to focus on all the good things he'd done in his life and reward himself with his own work. I think that's an excellent way to misunderstand the wisdom of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes. King Solomon seems to be saying, eat, drink, find enjoyment while you're working. Take things not so seriously. Don't get so caught up in your head as he definitely did, as he shares his lifetime wisdom. But always remember that this comes from the hand of God. Live life with gratitude that God, who created all things, gives you all things. Have, like, have you ever been unemployed? It's Possibly, especially if you're a man, the worst feeling in the world. You feel like you're failing your wife. Maybe you're single. You feel like you're failing your parents. You're failing yourself. Everything that you've trained for, all the experience that you've had, it's all come to nothing. You identify with King Solomon. It's all vanity and chasing after the wind. And then the recruiter responds to your interview and he asked for another one and then another one and all of a sudden you have a job you're bringing home money for the family you're providing and you feel like you have purpose again and then you forget what it was like to not have a job you forget the great mercy that God has shown you in giving you this opportunity of this job And you begin to forget and you begin to build up in your barns like the man. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Yes, God doesn't need anything from you 
But because of our gratitude towards him, we offer up thanksgiving, gratefulness. It's actually called in the scriptures a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's the one sacrifice we can give to God, thanksgiving for what he's done to us. And this is where we get the word Eucharist, to give thanks. And so we begin a lifetime of switching up, switching up our mindset on the flesh, our mindset on the things of this world, retirement, getting a big house. In fact, and how do we judge that, right? Bigger than our brother's house, bigger than our neighbor's house. I want the addition on my house. My neighbor still has the base model home. Can you believe it? Instead, we switch to setting our mind on the things that are above and not on earth. Colossians. Paul gives it to us straight. My theme verse for this sermon that just stuck out for me Thanks be to God was the first verse of Colossians. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Y'all are Christian. Paul's talking to you. He's writing this section of Colossians to Christians that are ready to take it to the next level. Because often you become Christian, you learn that uh, you have been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourself, and it's wonderful, it's treasure. And that lingers, and you begin to forget the gratitude that you at first had toward God. Just like the man who um, uh, was unemployed, and then he got a job. He forgets what it was like to be living each day completely by the grace of God, from the hand of God, because now he provides for himself. And what does that look like in the life of a Christian? None other than, I'm saved by grace through faith. Now I can do whatever I want. I can go drink margaritas on the beach. I can retire. I've built out I, the, these big storehouses They were given to me by Jesus. I can just take out of them whenever I need it. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, there's this thing called the vanity. The vanity of vanities, right? Which is, so the word vanity, it's like, um, uh, like a, a wisp of, of like moisture, like a little cloud. Like a f- In fact, it's the word Abel. If you can remember Cain and Abel, Eve actually names her son Abel or vanity or vapor of wind because she knows that he won't live for long. He'll be killed by his brother Cain. This interesting phenomena of you do and you toil all this vexatious work 
to build up all these things for yourself, to provide security for yourself outside of God's promises and outside of the hand of God. And then you die. And it all goes to someone that didn't work for it. It's, uh, I guess the kids call it these days the black pill. A truth that is too hard to swallow. But here it is. Swallow it. It doesn't have to be that way, though. One can spend their life teaching, raising in the faith their children, their grandchildren, raising them to know where all things come from, from Creator God, from whom their justification comes, who paid for their sins through his bloody death and resurrection, Jesus Christ, and by whom we stay in this faith, the Holy Spirit, who speaks to us through the word. And it all goes to this goal of seeking the things that are above. This is actually the reading from Ascension Day. Jesus ascends into heaven and he is now seated at the right hand of God. Which means, of course, that Jesus, God and man, fully God, fully man, is in heaven for you. Praying for you, advocating for you, telling the Father, that man down there, that woman down there, don't look at them as a sinner. Look what I did for them, Father. Look at my hands. Look at my side. I paid for their sin, and they have faith. They believe in me, my death, my resurrection. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. When Paul says, you have been raised with Christ, he's actually quoting himself in Ephesians. In Ephesians, he says, The Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That might sound confusing, but what it really is, is it's pure quoting from Genesis and the Psalms that Jesus Christ is the new Adam that does everything that Adam was made to do and to be and to have responsibility for, to have authority over the things of the ground, to watch over family, to get together with other men and form a government of self-government. To preach and teach, if he is called, in the church. To teach the young, to teach the old. To set an example for other fathers in the Christian community. And Jesus becomes this new Adam, where old Adam failed, sinned, and cast us all into the outer darkness. The new Adam, Jesus, rose from the dead after being perfectly obedient to the Father. 
and continues to be the perfect example that we in faith can look on as an example of how to be a Christian, right? What would Jesus do? Put to death what is earthly in you. Let me flip back to Colossians. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Do not lie to one another. You've put off the old self and its practices. Paul is calling Christians to put off the old self that you lost in your baptism. He was drowned. And he's calling all Christians to put on the new self, to look to the heavenly places, to look to Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father and be like him, live like him, say what he said, do what he did. Be baptized, be saved, be obedient to the Father. Preach the gospel, share it with others. Don't let people get away with it. Chase them down. Let them know how God has worked in your life, how you have been shown mercy. Were you unemployed? Were you depressed? Are you depressed? Do you seek community? Were you lonely? Did Jesus invite you into a church community? Did Jesus find you a job to provide for your family? Did Jesus give you this gift where you like talking about stuff that you just read? And you don't know what you're supposed to do. You keep telling, talking to your wife about it. You keep talking to your friends about it. But you'd like to put it to good use. You'd like to teach. Maybe you'd like to teach confirmation. You'd like to teach Sunday school. You'd like to teach a men's or women's group. Set your mind on heavenly things. And because I have a lot of them here today, I want to extend a special invitation to young men. Young men, if you're interested, I would love to give you responsibility. If you're seeking and craving responsibility, whether you're at high school, you're in college, you're out here working, I would love to give you the responsibility that you crave. Whether that be responsibility in the worship service, whether it be responsibility over your own soul and conscience, I would love to talk with you to let you know how Christian men are called to live. And I'll give you something to strive for. Older men, I call to you to help me build up the church, the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit. Help me to teach. Help me to set an example in righteousness. Read books with me. Talk about them with me. Ask me questions. Let me ask questions of you. Together we can make this an even more beautiful place than it is. And so, 
I finish today with Paul's exhortation. Be like Christ. You are his body. He says, you have put on the new self. Your new self is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Jesus made you. And the more you learn about him, the more you know about him, the more you can be like him, the person that made you. Isn't that amazing? You are Christ's body. And so that means in you is his all. Yes, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he is in you. In this congregation. And so invite him in. Make room for him. And be his body. Reach out. Touch others. Talk to them. Invite them to your homes. Get to know each other. For real, if you've been going here for a long time and you don't know uh, maybe an older person or you're an older person and you don't know a younger person, get to know them. Ask them, what's your name? Ask them, what do you do? What are you worried about? What do you like to do? Become friends. Become people that you want to go to church to see and to worship God with. And Jesus will be here. He'll be here in his word, and he'll be here in these sacraments to be with you, to give you grace, to give you forgiveness, and to assure you of those gifts. In his name.